Hello. Today we are going over the core doctrine 14 antithesis, antithesis. One would think I could pronounce that better. I apologize. The verse for it is Jeremiah 17:9, and that says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So, the author writes, As sinful human beings, we are often tempted to separate ourselves from others when things go wrong or when something happens that we don't like. If a group project fails, we might point the fingers at others and don't usually consider that we may have contributed to the problem. So often we fall prey to an us-versus-them mentality, and when we look at the problem in the world around us, we tend to distinguish between two types of people, good and bad, moral and evil. Simply put, we see an antithesis, a person or thing that is the opposite, the direct opposite of another person or thing. The theological concept of an antithesis is found in the writings of John Calvin. Although it is not unique to him, Calvin didn't simply focus on evil and righteous people. He focused on fundamental differences between Christ and Adam. This concept was developed more fully later by Calvinists who used it to describe the realities of sin and grace. Sin corrupts every part of humanity and opposes God's purpose. Conversely, grace redeems our brokenness enabling us to seek good and live according to his will, and it restores creation back to its original, God-given purpose. Antithesis highlights the fundamental opposition that exists between God's purpose for creation and those sinful elements in creation that oppose him. And this is the doctrine that is often closely associated with the doctrine of common grace that we've talked about before. Together, these two doctrines help us better understand both ourselves and others. According to theologian Richard Mao in his book, He Shines in All That's Fair, real antithesis is not so much between specific classes of people, elect or reprobate, regenerate or unregenerate, believer and unbeliever. It is between sin and grace. Mao explains that this struggle when sin takes place within a Christian and not just in unbelievers. Likewise, sin, since common grace is at work beyond the walls of the church, the antithesis is not an opposition that holds between the church and the world as such, but between the cause of God and the cause of Satan, each, each of which can be seen at work in the lives of Christians and non-Christians alike. Mao continues by saying, when we downplay the reality of a deep dividing line between two actual groups of people, the believing community and the rest of humankind, we run the risk of slipping into a kind of piecemeal approach to questions of truth and goodness. The church is right about this topic, but the world is right about that one and so on, the pattern that could weaken our sense of allegiance to people called together to stand against the seductions of this present age. Or even worse, it could lead to an outlook where general standards of reasonableness become our sole reference 
point in the pursuit of righteousness. It's not that all people are right and righteous before God. No, the point is that we all, even Christians, struggle with sin. God wants us to see each other for who we really are, people created in his image who need his love and grace. In both our personal lives and in our work lives, most of us prefer to interact and surround ourselves with people we deem good, and we prefer to keep the bad people at arm's length. However, the doctrine and synthesis reminds us that the playing field is level. We all struggle with sin, and grace is at work to some degree in all people. As Christians, we are wise to discern not only our own sin, but also how the Spirit might be at work in the lives of others. As the Apostle Paul said, God does not show favoritism, Acts 10, 34-35. He loves all people and wants all people, no matter what their background is, to come to him. And he wants us to extend to each other the grace and love he has so liberally given us. So now the author gives a story about a real estate agent um, to kind of help us plug this into our everyday lives. Since I'm a real estate agent and 100% of my income comes from commissions, if I don't close a deal, I don't get paid. This is a complicated by the fact that I have no control over whether or not a client closes a deal. I thought my success would be contingent on how well I perform, but realized early in my career that only God is in ultimate control. There seems to be a thousand factors that need to come together in order for a deal to close. My performance is only one of those factors. For one couple looking to rent, I scoured the market looking for apartments to meet their criteria, and I scheduled showings three weeks in a row, showing them four or five apartments each day, and I gave them everything they asked for within their budget, but at the end of it all, they decided that they were not going to move. It felt terrible working so hard for them only to have no paycheck at the end of the month. I wish that... Sorry. I wish that... That was only story about clients who seem to disregard the fact that it is my work, my time, and my livelihood. When I interact with seemingly callous and self-absorbed clients, it's easy for me to grow cynical, and it's easy for me to become resentful and self-righteous. In my work, where hard work does not necessarily pay off, I am often tempted to distinguish between good people who value my time and effort and bad people who abuse my services. However, the real divide is not between people who respond favorably to my work and those who don't. The divide runs through every human heart and every industry. I am as much the problem as as clients who don't seem to respect my time and effort. My desire for control and recognition apart from God is as destructive to my well-being and my work as people who disregard me completely. The real estate profession depends on agents who are willing to put the needs and interests of the client first, and I can be that kind of agent only when I find my security and Christ's commitment to me. When I recognize my deeper need for God's grace, he protects me from self-righteousness, 
that only seeks to capitalize on clients for my own selfish desires. Being a faithful real estate agent is a daily battle that sometimes feels like a war. One way I fight is by allowing the Spirit to help me see clients as God sees them and therefore to serve them by helping them find a place they can call home. Um, I am going to read the verse one more time, Jeremiah 17, 9, and continue on to, uh, to verse 10, because I, I, I like the, the extra part. So 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. I like how the author talks about um, how we try to divide good and bad, uh, seeing things black and white. That's something I struggle with uh, on a a daily basis. people would often tell me, Andrew, the world's not black and white, it's gray. Which, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I feel like every choice and decision can be boiled down to a black or white choice. It's just, there's so many of them within one uh, action or task or whatever we're working on, it looks gray because it's like a a bunch of little pixels of black and white and when you get far away from it it's it's gray but it's if you examine it closely it's really made up of all these these little minute details um and it i love how in the new testament it talks about how uh the bible is you know the the sword um it separates bone and marrow and soul and spirit and so it truly does uh when we apply when we're reading our bible daily we're feeding our heart and our minds and our spirit the the word of god and having that stuff, you know, meditating on the word, focusing on it, having it run through our minds um, constantly, then when it, we start to look at the situations we're in, at work or or with family or, or other places, those those words that we read in God's word is there, and it's able to help us. Um, kind of discern and make decisions if if we allow it and i know sometimes i've gotten really busy and i'm doing everything i can just to keep my head above water and even even when i'm you know i i might have still been reading his word and stuff but uh because i'm i'm so busy i'm so uh focused on the certain fires that need to be put out and not pulling back and looking at the big picture 
I end up, um, you know, making compromises to get something done or not um, not taking it before God talks about it. it. In Proverbs, it talks about how if we submit all our ways to the Lord, he will make our path straight. Not some, but all our ways. And um, also in the Old Testament, when it talks about the Israelites, after they started to go into the promised land, um, you see at the beginning, like everything Joshua did, he went and talked to the Lord about what to do, and he told him what to do. And then all of a sudden, these people nearby, or say who's, who were nearby but said they were really far away and asked to create a treaty with them so they wouldn't be harmed, you know, they they didn't talk to God about it. They just talked amongst themselves and they did what the author kind of talks about, you know, becoming reasonable. And they thought, yeah, this is, they're far away. It's reasonable to make an, an alliance with them only to find out later that they were actually neighbors. And um, because they made an oath with them, they couldn't kill them or harm them, but they did go ahead and make them, be servants for them. But that just kind of shows how it's really easy to get things out of priority and to um, not bring these things to God and to not allow, like we can be reading the word every day and having quiet time every day, but being so focused on the work that we don't bring all our ways to him to make our path straight and we don't allow his word to work in our life. And then in that case, you know, pretty much almost every decision at that point I I would consider not good because we failed the the initial part of submitting it to him. But his grace is at work in us, and um, his love is at work in us, and love covers a multitude of sins. Um, it's just kind of interesting how if we sometimes step back and look at a situation, you can pick out all the different points in it where you can either make a good choice or a bad choice. I've sometimes have frustrated people at uh, different places I've worked at before or volunteered with because I would try to point out things I saw that weren't good. Um, And, you know, most people wouldn't think that they were bad, but I was just kind of like, to me, this this part doesn't line up with his word, and it would sometimes cause arguments or stress. Um, and then I would end up taking offense to it, which we've talked about this before, um, and I really shouldn't take offense to it, but I, I would take offense. I would take ownership of it. Um, so I would end up like, at, sorry, at first, 
walking in his way, uh, trying to be helpful, trying um, to submit all our ways to the Lord so he can make our path straight. But then when I don't see the response that I was wanting, I would kind of do what the real estate agent did, become resentful, uh, become cynical, self-righteous, you know, not want to try as hard because uh, all it did was, you know, cause me pain and I would get hurt. Um, and so I would quickly go from making, you know, some good choices by submitting to the Lord to really quickly making a bunch of really bad choices, you know, ones that were just all black, <laughs> you know, there was, there was no gray. And, you know, it was like the next 20 choices after that were just black. Uh, and then eventually because of God's grace and love, he would, you know, send someone to talk to me or, you know, kind of nudge me in prayer being like, Andrew, uh, do you really expect that everyone's going to listen to you? And, you know, why are you taking ownership of that? You're supposed to trust me. And were you talking to me about these things or did you just get upset and kind of go off on your own? So he, he really was able to, you know, don't take the plank out of your own eye or take the plank out of your own eye before you try to remove the speck in your brother's eye. It really started to show me how there really is good and bad working in all of us um, and to be conscious of it and to try to watch when the Spirit's moving and not just in my life, but in other people's lives and try to partner with that. And if people don't want to partner with it, not to get upset, not to try to force something, but just kind of um, pray and let God do his work in that situation. I'm still trying to learn how to do that. Um, I would like to say there was, there's some improvement, but it seems like most days um, I'm, I'm asking more and more forgiveness than <laughs> I am seeing improvement, but maybe that means there is an improvement. Who knows? Um, but I, I do love how God searches our heart and he examines our mind and he, he rewards us according to our conduct and that, you know, yes, our, our human heart is deceitful and it is beyond cure. That's true. But, um, you know, because of Jesus, he gives us new life. So we're able to take those pieces of our heart that are deceitful above all things and can't be cured, have them nailed at the cross and be a new creation in him. And, you know, slowly by slowly, we, we go through that sanctification process, uh, you know, as Paul talked about with fear and trembling. But it's just... It's pretty cool, all the things God does for us and how powerful his His word really is um, if we're willing to, to let it work in our lives. So that's uh, my 
encouragement and for the week to kind of go with this doctrine of antithesis. But I'll go ahead and lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for blessing us with all the wonderful words that the author wrote and, you know, these other people that have poured into it, the different authors of other books and uh, the people like the real estate agent who were able to give their story to go with it. Um, I ask that you just help us to stay focused on you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to learn how to submit all our ways to you so you can make our path straight. Help us to daily and constantly be in your word, to be feeding our hearts and our minds and our spirit your word so that you can help divide it, our actions between um, the bone and marrow and soul and spirit. Help us to recognize when we're following our soul, our flesh, and help us to recognize when we're following the Spirit or have the opportunity to follow the Spirit. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to be able to see you working in ourselves and others, to not try to create an antithesis and have us... um, doing us against them or thinking a person's bad or or any of that stuff and not to, in the the name of unity, uh, go to the other extreme where in the name of unity we try to be reasonable and uh, give up uh, on your righteousness. You know, we try to come up with our own kind of righteousness. I ask, Father, that we just be bold and have the courage to stand for you and your righteousness. Um, Strengthen us with your supernatural grace to be able to do that, but also to be able to do it in a loving manner, in a manner that will show people who you are, Jesus, and that, you know, we are slow to speak, um, quick to listen, slow to be angry, slow to judge others, and hopefully not judge others or take offense, but rather see that log that's in each of our own eyes instead of seeing the speck in the others, and just to humbly come to you to let you work in us. I thank you for all of this. Uh, Jesus and what you did for us at the cross and given us that perfect example of love and giving us new life and letting us be a new creation. I ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend.